To stay on top in business, stay on top of your technology with the new Business Desk podcast, the business of tech. Listen on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Andrew Dickens Afternoons podcast from Newstalk ZB. It's the big story. In less than a week, King Charles III will be crowned, sealed and delivered to us officially invested as the new king of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth and our official head of state. And what a thing. What an old anachronistic thing in 2023. How wonderful. But it has led to a number of protests and general grumbling about the monarchy and its place in modern society. And then to make things worse, Charles came out during the weekend and said, I'd like you all to stand up and say this in the middle of the ceremony. I swear that I will pay true allegiance to your majesty and to your heirs, including that Harry fella, and successors according to law. So help me God. I couldn't believe it when he said that. It's not going to go down well. Hasn't gone down well. Some people are saying, swear at the king rather than swear for the king. I think that was a misstep. But for all that, that's not enough for me to go off the whole palaver. In fact, I think it's wonderful. I think it is a marvellous folly. I think it is an amazing sideshow from the drudgery of everyday life that has kept us going for 100 years. It's a bit of fun with a handy side serving of pragmatism and also finance. So firstly, questions abound in the UK. And there's been articles. Why should the UK persevere with the monarchy? Well, because you make money. A study out on Friday showed the British uh, people, (laughs) the British people uh, paid £100 million in costs to keep royalty running. And most of that is insecurity. Uh, in return, the study found that the British people got back £1.7 billion of benefit. Now, that is an incredible return. £100 million to get back £1.7 billion. So where's all the money coming from? Well, the Royal Seals of Warrant, there's one. That keeps firms and businesses and acts as international calling cards, and they say it's invaluable to the export market. Even Prince Charles's, oh, sorry, King Charles's charities are amazing. The King's Farms at the moment are selling £60 million worth of goods, all self-financed and, and grown. And those proceeds go to the Prince's Trust charity, which then funds programmes for the underprivileged. And they made £60 million last year. £60 million. The Prince's Trust started by Prince Charles, with his leaving wage after he left the Royal Navy. He got 5,750 quid. He formed a charity which now funnels £60 million to the underprivileged. Then, of course, there's the tourism. London, as we all know, is an orgy of overseas visitors in their capital right now. Even this radio station has got four members of staff there consuming hotel rooms, consuming food, consuming airfares, consuming taxi rides and the like. We're spending a fortune. Everyone's spending a fortune. And they're all spending a fortune in the UK. The royal family is a gold mine for the UK. And Charles is promising a slimmer and more modern setup, so they're only going to become more profitable. So why would you give up on the goose that lays the golden eggs? But then there's his position as head of state, uh, particularly in, in New Zealand and for Commonwealth countries. But really, what does that mean? Like in the UK, he is irrelevant. He is kept out of the national conversation. It's going to be difficult for, for King Charles compared to his mum. His mum was happy not to have a part in the national conversation. Charles is a little bit more involved, but he knows the rules. Um, 
By the way, if you're worried about hereditary influence of the king, well, why aren't you protesting against the House of Lords? Uh, for all those opponents of co-governance, have you, have you looked what happens in the UK where the House of Lords has 777 members? None of them elected, none of them democratically appointed or given their place by appointment or who their daddy was or what their job is. There's not a democratically elected member among them, 777 of them. But the king is actually not one of them. The king does not have a vote. In New Zealand, the king is represented by the Governor-General. There is no interference. And the only powers the, the Governor-General really has is as an unbiased external regulator, just in case of extreme breakdown in civil order. And in a country of five million, I think that's important. I trust the Governor-General and the Court of St. James to adjudicate in the case of complete civil or democratic breakdown far more than I would trust a locally appointed president. And then there's all those who say, by having the king as a head of state, it shows we're an immature nation. I say, no, that's just virtue signaling. It ain't broke. Why are you trying to fix it? And then finally, there's King Charles himself, a man who had a terrible childhood. He had absent parents and extraordinary interference in his personal life. And the fact that he's come out of it as a kindish man, as a wise man, but certainly a complex man, is a miracle. And I think his complexity means he's going to be great. He's going to be far better than his spoilt sons who haven't had the hard times the way Charles had. And he's going to be far more interesting than his cautious mother. So I say, long live the king. For more from Andrew Dickens Afternoons, listen live to News Talk ZB or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.